0: Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application learning product on the market today. And now for some news. This week, Salesforce announced the acquisition of Tableau Software for $15.5 billion. ZDNet reports that the sale will be made through an all-stock transaction, in which Tableau Class A and Class B common stock will be exchanged for 1.103 shares of Salesforce common stock. Mark Beinoff, the chairman and CEO of Salesforce, said, Quote, we are bringing together the world's number one CRM and the number one analytics platform. Salesforce stated that with Tableau, Salesforce will play an even greater role in driving digital transformation, enabling companies around the world to tap into data across their entire business and surface deeper insights to make smarter decisions, drive intelligent, connected customer experiences, and accelerate innovation tableau will still operate independently under the tableau brand following the closure of the deal and the current ceo will continue to lead the firm in seattle washington it has been suggested that the acquisition will bolster the enterprise firm's fy20 revenue by 350 to 400 million dollars it's interesting and likely a smart acquisition in my opinion i've seen tableau in use in pretty much every organization i worked in within the last five years even as other products like power bi gain market share it seems those organizations using something like power bi also continue to use tableau keeping with acquisitions vmware has announced its intent to acquire avi networks they say it's to deliver software defined application delivery controllers for the multi-cloud era avi networks does not require custom appliances and could be consumed on-prem in public clouds, or as a service, enabling new flexibility and faster time-to-value at lower costs. It's built on REST APIs and plugins, and the platform is fully automated and can be easily integrated with CI-CD pipelines for application delivery. As suggested, it's to add for their capabilities for multi-cloud, and with that, they provide support for multiple clouds and platforms such as AWS, Azure, Google Cloud Platform, OpenStack, and VMware. I couldn't find any information on what the value of the acquisition is, though I did notice some news articles pointing out that AVI Networks did recently receive $112 million in funding, so they likely garnered a significant value, I'm sure. Citrix App version 1905 has been released, and with it, it brings support for Citrix Hypervisor, version 8.0. I still hate that name, that rebranding. Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops, version 7.19.03. Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops, version 7.15. LTSR-CU4, for you LTSR customers. Citrix Provisioning, version 19.03. Citrix Provisioning, version 7.15. LTSR-CU4, as you might expect. Also, support for Windows Server 2019 as an OS layer, which is cool. Microsoft Office 2019 requires that you upgrade the app machine tools for support of that. There's also support for secure connections on the appliance using TLS 1.2 when sending email via SMTP. There have also been some Hyper-V connector improvements including that the connector now uses bits server to copy files to and from the appliance. During file copies progress reporting now includes the percent complete rather than just elapsed time. A SIFS file share is no longer required on the Hyper-V server either. It appears that app layers that can be assigned as elastic layers on layered images that use a different operating system layer continues to only remain as a feature in lab only with a statement that you should not use this in production, which is a little disappointing. I hope they get that out of lab and into the product soon. Mozilla have announced plans to offer a premium subscription for Firefox before the end of this year. TechRadar reports that some of the premium features will include VPN and cloud storage. Honestly, when I first saw the headline for a Firefox premium, my initial thought was, well, Good luck trying to get people to pay for this when most are attached at the hip to Chrome. But this could actually be a genius move by Mozilla. If they nailed the VPN in particular and bolt on some more features that techies currently pay other third-party companies for today, it could be great. The free version of Firefox will remain unchanged and it's being speculated that this premium browser could release around October. Uber Agent for macOS has now been announced. It will not require any different license, and existing customers will be able to avail of it. The team is also working hard to port all the good qualities from the Windows version of Uber Agent, while making sure that Uber Agent feels just right on the macOS platform. Which sounds promising, it's not just going to be a direct port that they wedge into macOS that's not intuitive over there. They've stated they hope to be able to release a beta version later this year with the completion of everyone's favorite global independent virtualization conference e2evc last week in berlin came the announcement of e2evc marathon which is now the official name for the upcoming event in lisbon portugal in november tickets are on sale right now you should buy your ticket right away to avoid disappointment and also to get in during the early bird sale As always, if you're a lady techie, you can avail of a free ticket by reaching out to the organizers. There's also some other discounts available for alumni and techies in different types of situations. So check out E2EVC.com for more information on that. And speaking of E2EVC, E2EVC Berlin got to witness the announcement of yet another free tool by the genius Tim Mangan. It's called Pull Apps. Full Apps is a small agent that you can deploy with desktops to deliver virtual and the new container-based application packages without a big clunky backend server, and even more management consoles. So if you're invested in AppV today and maybe looking at MSIX, you'll definitely want to check this out. It's perfect for both non-persistent and persistent deployments to physical or cloud-based desktops. It supports both automatic delivery based on Active Directory groups, or it can be used in a self-service model where packages get authorized by the user when they select which ones to deploy. And all you need is a file share or web virtual folder on the back end. Pretty cool. And hold the phone for this next one. Apple, of all vendors, has released a new app in the Microsoft Store. The app is for iCloud for Windows. It allows users access photos, videos, mail, calendar, files, and other important information from their iCloud account on the go on a Windows 10 PC with similar behavior as OneDrive, allowing access right from within File Explorer and with the ability to quickly select what files and folders you wish to share and sync. If you use the Apple ecosystem and Windows 10, this could be useful for you. MSIX Packaging Tool version 1.2019.611.0 has been released. I don't see any new features in this release per se, just some workflow fixes and overall product fixes. BleepingComputer.com reported on a new attack called Rambleed, which can be used by hackers to steal sensitive data from your machine's memory. Researchers were able to read an RSA-2048 key from a server running OpenSSH version 7.9. That particular system was running DDR3 RAM, but researchers at this time suspect it would also work against machines running DDR4, as they are leveraging the previously reposted Rowhammer vulnerability, which could work against DDR4. In this particular vulnerability, our attack, they're actually reading the data, not modifying it, which is a little different to the original Rowhammer attack. For this, they are able to do this all with standard privileges too. Rambleed has received the tracking number CVE-2019-0174. Preventing a Rambleed attack is possible on systems where memory encryption is active. This This can be achieved when the trusted execution environment feature is enabled on the processor. Intel suggests using DRAM modules that are resistant to Rohammer-style attacks, which, geez, thanks for that intel. If somebody's got DRAM modules that are not resistant to Rohammer-style attacks and they're not near a hardware refresh, that kind of leaves them in the lurch, I guess. dirk Jan Malema posted a blog post on some of his and others in the security community's research on multiple Windows Server and Active Directory vulnerabilities. When combining a few different vulnerabilities, an attacker has a perfect storm to gain instant domain rights. The main issues used are a bug in the spool service, NTLM authentication, and relays through Active Directory or LDAP. The possible attacks include using any AD account connect over SMB to a victim exchange server and trigger the spool service bug. The attacker server will connect back to you over SMB, which can be relayed with a modified version of NTLM RelayX to LDAP. Using the relayed LDAP authentication, grant desync privileges to the attacker account. The attacker account can then use desync to dump all password hashes in AD. Pretty scary, right? Also, if you use an AD account, connect over SMB to the victim server and trigger the spool service bug. The attacker server will connect back to you over SMB, which can be relayed with a modified version of that ANTLM Relay X to LDAP. Using that LDAP authentication, grant resource-based constrained delegation privileges for the victim server to a computer account using the control of the attacker. The attacker can then authenticate as any user on the victim server. So some similarities, a little bit different in that second one using resource-based constrained delegation privileges and impersonation, but both equally devastating. Durkyan uses Exchange servers as an example. I'm unsure if other servers with different roles installed could also be used in this example, but I'm guessing so. The vulnerability has been addressed via CVE-2019-1040 and Dirk Yan recommends getting patching with the June patches on your servers as soon as possible. Microsoft customers aren't the only ones having security fun this month. Google calendars are now being targeted through sophisticated unsolicited calendar notifications. By the description provided by ThreatPost.com, it appears it launches a phishing attack attempting to get users to enter sensitive data like credit card details. Google are working on blacklisting the bad actors for now, but ThreatPost.com also suggests that mobile users can protect themselves from calendar phishing, specifically by turning off the automatic adding of invitations to their calendars. And as always, if users aren't sure whether a website they're redirected to is real and safe, they should never enter personal information. I mean, that's security compliance and training against phishing attempts 101. So it seems like every week there is more bad news regarding successful hacks and new vulnerabilities being exposed. You may have heard about the ransomware attack, for example, that brought down the city of Baltimore's networks. They've been trying to recover for some time now, and still have only issued new logins to only a fraction of their employees. Recovery is estimated to be costing the city about 10 million dollars with a further 8 million dollars lost due to being unable to process payments for things like parking tickets. Another example, the maker of scanning technology used on the US borders for scanning vehicle license plates has been hacked with blueprints and files that were gained during the hack getting dumped online. More and more examples of BlueKeep exploits continue to get published online, too. Yubico, the makers of the popular YubiKeys, announced a bug with versions 4.42 and 4.44 of their devices, causing the randomness to reduce of their encryption. There is now an active key replacement program for the affected FIPS devices in the case of the YubiKeys, and if you have not been contacted by Yubico and you use those versions, Possibly maybe you bought it through a different third-party well There is a portal for submitting to get your keys replaced It just seems like there's a never-ending fight to stay secure. So with that in mind, I wanted to include a couple of positive security related news articles three in fact Bloomberg.com has reported Microsoft will be releasing a public statement vowing to provide legal clearance to any security folks who wish to avail of their bug bounty program for Azure. They have said they haven't had the kind of activity with the bounty program that they ha- had hoped for and want to provide these and want to provide this safe harbor statement in order to further incentivize those who wish to attempt to crack into Azure. Obviously this will not protect those launching actual malicious attacks, just those exposing these vulnerabilities for the benefit of Microsoft and their customers. Microsoft also continued to improve Defender ATP and have recently released a multi-part blog series on how to detect and investigate security incidents. Microsoft used to be somewhat standoff when it came to this level of security, like antivirus level, many years ago. So it's good to see these positive steps forward continuing. And finally, if you follow the podcast, you may recall I have talked about a bug bounty program launched by the European Commission for some of the most widely used open source applications used in the world. Well, within a week of the original launch of the program, some in the security community dumped all over it, stating that the money on offer was so little compared to what's on offer from private businesses or vendors that it wouldn't lead to positive results. Well, contrary to that snarkiness, Betanews.com has reported that VLC version 3.0.7 has been released with 33 security fixes and VLC president Jean-Baptiste Kemp directly attributes this to the program. Kemp said, and I quote, this is a direct quote, we've had people ranging from the usual security asshole to some of the nicest guys ever who cared deeply to help us. (laughs) You got to love that off-the-cuff quote. I salute you, Mr. Kemp. Personally, I think it's pretty cool. Some organizations, InfoSec teams, shy away from allowing the deployment of open source applications in an enterprise environment, not because of any licensing requirements or redistribution restrictions, but rather because they believe those applications aren't as secure or as maintained with these types of security fixes so i think this benefits everyone and now this week i've got some hot jobs as stated at the beginning of the year i've been shying away from having a weekly hot job segment but this week my cup runneth over and there's actually three pretty interesting jobs that i want to talk about first up ControlUp are looking for an IT engineer in their location in Rishon LeZion, in Israel. The right candidate must have two plus years hands-on experience as a system and network administrator for environments based on VMware, three plus years hands-on experience in Microsoft Servers 2008 through 2016, including roles like roles and features like IIS, Active Directory, DNS, DHCP, Group Policy, Hyper-V, permissions, and so forth. They must also have knowledge and experience in server hardware maintenance. They must have knowledge of the following technologies, routing, switching, VLAN, VPN, WAN. They must also be somebody who takes initiative to resolve problems and suggest or implement improvements. Novusco are also looking to fill a position on their EUC team for their remote desktop support in Belfast. The successful candidate will act as a second- or third-line support for EUC technical incidents. They will liaise with site-based engineers in Cambridge, create knowledge-based articles where repeated incidents are logged for service desk analysts to increase first-time fix rates, assist SCCM engineers with the development of regular Windows 10 images right through to production. Assist with Windows 10 semi annual planning and deployment schedule, including assisting with application testing, planning with the new feature releases, monitor security profiles and antivirus software on, domes- on desktop devices, and more. And finally, BBC in London is offering a free 14 week software engineering training course for women. Best of all, no tech experience is needed. It promises to be an immersive week, providing an overview of the tech industry and understanding the fundamentals of computer science and developing problem-solving skills. The curriculum includes information and training on front-end, including HTML, CSS, responsive design, and an introduction to React, back-end, including introduction to cloud AWS, databases and back-end technologies, and also you'll have the ability to apply learning to personally create a project application. Applicants need to apply by July 5th. And now this episode's weekly webinar. With such a security heavy episode, I figured it would be a great time to give Bromium the nod as my webinar of the week. The podcast is a little late this week. I was going to highlight their monthly threat report and also a webinar that took place this week. But since it has already taken place, I can just point you to the recording of that webinar that is already available, and it's on the topic of Emotet, which is a fast-spreading Trojan. So if you've got a security interest or you just like to learn about this Trojan that's spreading like wildfire, check out the webinar that I provide with this episode, which is episode 76 on 5bytespodcast.com. You'll find it in reference links. But it's also at this time worth pointing out that Bromium have a treasure trove of awesome webinars, including on topics like using Bromium to tame Trojans and the benefits of virtualization and more. If you aren't familiar with Bromium, do yourself a favor and take a look. It's really mind blowing technology. And now, this episode scripts, tricks, and tips. The Awesome Community Created Bite-Sized Cloud Design Principles and Architectural Recommendations book has been released and it is available right now on Amazon. The book was initiated by Bas Van Cam and Christian Brinkhoff, and features lots of great information and tips from community experts, CSPs, customers, and just the general community around cloud design principles. The book has actually already reached number one for tech books in multiple countries. Congrats to Bass, Christian, and all who contributed. This is a reminder of the power of the community. And that's it for another week. Thank you all so much for listening.